The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. So NAR, the new apostolic reformation, is back in the news big time, especially in the secular press. My question is, are the reports true? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Once again, today, we are going to separate fact from fiction. We are going to separate myth and rumor from truth And that's what we're going to do. Focus on truth today here on The Line of Fire. Michael Brown, your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. I want to give you a number to call if you want to weigh in on this subject, if you differ with me, if you agree with me. 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. I want to be as specific and clear as I possibly can be so that we can get through the, 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 the haze, the cloud of confusion surrounding, quote, NAR, and this idea that there is a growing, moving of, a growing movement of Christians wanting to take over America and impose the religious beliefs on America. How much of that is true? How much of that is false? How much of that is related to, quote, NAR? I want to do my best to lay these things out because this is in the news, big time. I mean, secular press. I mean, secular media, it's in the news big time. Some of the things being reported are accurate and they reflect concerns I have. Some of them are not accurate and are either blown out of proportion or completely false and wrong. I'm actually interacting with a number of secular journalists now trying to set the record straight, saying, hey, people do believe X, Y, Z. If that concerns you, report it accurately, but they don't believe ABC. So that's inaccurate so let's let's separate fact from fiction fair enough all right first let me give you a little bit more background about quote nar and the controversy surrounding that some years ago i began to hear more and more about the new apostolic reformation nar this christian movement but it was associated with dominionism it was associated with certain political candidates it was associated with certain theologies that i had rejected for years then I found out that I was being called a leader in NAR. I thought, well, what, what do they mean by that? And if that's what they mean by it, then they got their own person because I don't agree with that. So I would talk to friends and they'd say, well, what's NAR? What are you talking about? So here's what I had understood over the years that, quote, NAR was, New Apostolic Reformation. I associated it with Dr. Peter Wagner, who had been a professor at Fuller Seminary, had been a missionary, was a church growth expert, etc. And he, he had a broad description of something called NAR, but that's not the way I normally heard it used. Let me, let me read this. He first coined the term New Apostolic Reformation to describe what he saw as a growing church trend. He wrote back in 2011, the roots of the NAR, New Apostolic Reformation, go back to the beginning of the African Independent Church Movement in 1900, the Chinese House Church Movement beginning in 1976, the U.S. Independent Charismatic Movement beginning in the 1970s, and the Latin American Grassroots Church Movement beginning around the same time. He said, I was neither the founder nor a member of any of these movements. I was simply a professor who observed that they were the fastest growing churches in their respective regions and that they had a number of common characteristics. So that was a term he gave it as a missiologist, as a professor, this growing movement of churches around the world that were not 
denominationally affiliated, but seem to have other types of characteristics. Most people don't use NAR in that way. Critics, secular press, believers don't use it in that way. That's the first that, that term that Peter Werner had used. And again, going back to, to movements as far back as, as 1900, African independent church movement. Many of them didn't use the word apostle, but they had structures, excuse me, structures that Wagner would brand apostolic. Okay, what I was familiar with when I heard NAR, New Apostolic Reformation, I was familiar with Peter Wagner leading a coalition of leaders and writing about what he said was the New Apostolic Reformation, that God was raising up apostles again, that all churches needed to be submitted to apostles, etc. Various things like that. That's what I understood. When I would talk to friends about NAR, charismatic friends, they would say, oh, that's Peter Wagner's organization. I never joined because I differed on this point or that point. The same with me. I never joined his organization because I, I, I differed with some of what he taught. Other things I agreed with. But I, I differed with, it seemed like everybody was an apostle today. I differed with the idea that the churches all had to be under an apostle and things like that. So I never joined his organization. But that's what I associated with NOR, New Apostolic Reformation. Do I believe that there are apostles and prophets today? Yes, I do, based on my exegesis understanding of Scripture and ministry functions through history. Do I believe that there have been apostles and prophets in the church through church history? Yes, I do. But we've given them different names. We've given them different titles. Whether we should use those names or titles or not, that's a fair debate. That's, that's fine to discuss that. But I believe they've always been here through church history, just not recognized as such. So I believe there are apostles and prophets today ministering. Yes. Do I believe that apostles today are equal to the 12 original apostles? Of course not. Do I believe they have equal authority? Of course not. Do I believe they have equal stature? Of course not. Do I believe prophets today have the same authority as Old Testament prophets? Of course not. So I reject all of those things. Do I believe that all churches need to be submitted to apostles or apostles and prophets? Absolutely not. Do I believe that apostles are spiritual pioneers? Yes. Do I believe that they are planters and fathers? Yes. Do I believe that they are leaders of movements? Yes. Do I believe that prophets are bringing words from the Lord? Not the word of God, not the Bible. We all preach the Bible. But do I believe they're bringing words from the Lord to be tested by the Bible and tested by the Spirit and tested by whether they come to pass or not? Yes, I believe that. So I believe there's apostolic and prophetic ministry. But what is described as nar, I differ with. Now, here's the rub. Are you ready? Because this has been my concern for years and years when I, when I spent uh, four and a half hours with Doug Yvette and Holly Pivik, who've written the important books about, quote, NAR. I told them, I share many of your concerns, many of the extreme statements in the book. I share your concerns. I reject those statements. They even read me certain statements. I said, I differ with that, differ with that, from colleagues of mine. No, don't agree with that, don't agree with that, don't agree with that, which is fine. They can disagree with me and we can still love the same Lord and serve the same God, all right? So I said, I absolutely share your concerns and want to work with you against those abuses. Absolutely. But my concern was that the way it is described paints a false picture gives the idea of some vast conspiratorial worldwide kind of movement. 
gives the idea of the extremes being the norms. I said, look, I know some of these people and I know the way they live and minister. And that statement, even if you quoted it in context, and I believe they're, they're seeking to do that accurately, even if you quoted it in context, doesn't represent who they are in the whole of their ministry and the way they serve. In any case, again, I, I ask this question. Since I have no problem saying I'm charismatic, I'm Pentecostal, I believe in tongues, prophecy, healing for today, I have no problem saying that based on the Bible. Since I have no problem saying I believe in apostolic and prophetic ministry today, no problem whatsoever. Why then would I deny the existence, quote, of NAR or say, absolutely, I'm not part of NAR? Why? It is because the way it is described doesn't exist. It is because it, it gets painted with too broad a brush. It is because it creates an impression that the extremes are the norms. It's because it gives some type of association between people with very different philosophies, ministries, and styles that would reject many of the tenets that others hold to. And then it becomes the boogeyman. This, no. It, it, you say, well, you're exaggerating. No, I'm not. I'm just talking about what's being reported. I'm talking about secular report after secular report. And since January 6th, when all Trump supporters got branded by the left as, as insurrectionists, and we're all white supremacists who want to take over the country and, and do it violently and, and, and all these kinds of, of lies about us. Now it's NAR that's behind all of it. So is there an unhealthy Christian nationalism rising in America? By unhealthy, I mean it merges American identity with Christian identity, as if the flag was just as sacred as the cross. General Mike Flynn recently said that we should preach, preachers should, should, pastors should preach the Constitution as much as the Bible, all right? He may be a very sincere man, but that, that is a very misguided statement. When, when we merge politics with the gospel, when we equate loyalty to our country with loyalty to God, when we think that somehow we can take dominion over the country and impose our values over it, that is a dangerous Christian nationalism. A healthy Christian nationalism would be, I love Jesus and I love my country. A healthy Christian nationalism would be, I respect our Christian heritage and believe the more we get back to our roots, the more God will bless America. Those are things that I say amen to. It is the unhealthy Christian nationalism I resist, but we are all being accused of that. If you love America, you love Jesus, and you happen to vote Republican, conservative, or Trump, then you are a dangerous Christian nationalist. And if you're charismatic Pentecostal, you are part of NAR trying to now take over the country. You say, Mike, you're exaggerating. No, I, I'm just talking about what's being reported on a regular basis in major secular news and publications that get a lot of eyes. Now, was there a dangerous Christian nationalism being espoused before and after the 2020 elections? Yes. I, I deal with it in depth in my book, The Political Seduction of the Church. Were there dangerous things at the Jericho March that were said in, in December of, of 2020? Absolutely. And when you got preachers preaching with, with American flags wrapped around their shoulders and calling for the militias arise to arise to get Trump back in power. That's dangerous. Now, the secular press is tying it in with NAR and creating this image, which is not true. So the dangerous, 
I want to highlight, I want to reject, I want to expose, both in terms of dangerous Christian nationalism and dangerous tendencies in what's being labeled NAR. I also want to separate fact from fiction. So if you have a question on that, if you happen to be one who's criticized me over the years and you want to interact directly and ask me pointed questions with specific quotes, please feel free to do it. On today's show, friends, and I'm about to get into these articles. I'm about to go to the articles. Today, we're going to have not just heat, we're going to have light. If we're to see a gospel-based moral and cultural revolution in Jesus' name, we got to get this right. Okay, got a special offer to tell you about. We come back, and then I'm going to get some articles. 866-34-TRUTH. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. By all means, join in 866-34-TRUTH. Many of you will say, Dr. Brown, you don't get it. I've been in those North churches. I see how bad things are. I see how dangerous they are. I see how far off they are. I'm not denying your experience. I'm not denying that there are errors or abuses out there. I would like you, though, to first define what you mean by NOR. Because what you often find is, is one person means one thing, another person means another thing. Sometimes this is just the term for general charismatic Pentecostal abuses. Some it's for abuses that tie in more with a, a national, an unhealthy nationalism. So let's define the terms. But are there abuses out there? Absolutely. I told Justin Peters and Jim Osmond, I'm an ally, not an enemy. When you see abuses, you make me aware of them. There may be things I'm not aware of. I'll look at them. And if there are things I feel I need to address or I know the person, I'll reach out. And with Doug and Holly, I said, hey, I want to be an ally. Let's let's combat the abuses together. So I'm not downplaying them. I'm not minimizing them. All the more do I appeal to you to say, okay, then why does he keep denying NAR? It's... It's denying the way it's presented. It's denying the picture that's painted. All right? So we're going to take your calls shortly. I want to give you a few article highlights. So we're going to be interactive. Take your calls, go back and forth with some articles and information. But we've put together this week an exclusive line of fire special offer. You can't get this on our website. You can't get this via email. This is just something exclusively together with Line of Fire. So you may be listening live, you may be listening later in the day. I want to give you a special number to call. All right, this is not to get on the air. This is simply to take advantage of the special offer. Here's the number, 704-498-4673. Got it? 704-498-4673. You'll get my book, The Political Seduction of the Church, How Millions of American Christians Have Confused Politics with the Gospel. I've, I've, I've written a lot of books, about 44 books now. I've done hundreds, thousands of interviews, but I can't remember interviews where I felt more focused and the interviewer said, Warren, this is important. We've got to get this message out. The book's an eye-opener, and it'll help you refocus your mission, your calling, pastors, leaders, individuals. You'll get that book, plus my book, How Saved Are We? 
It's one of the most radical books ever. It came out in 1990. I was gripped writing. You'll be gripped reading it. And then my message, probably the most important message I preached during the Brownsville Revival, Holy Desperation. It'll ignite a fresh hunger in you for something more of God. So over $40 in resources, just $25. But get it by calling in. And if, uh, if, if our lines are busy, just leave your number. We'll get right back to you. 704-498-4673. Got that? All right. Before I go to the phones, it's, it's really interesting when you have lived through something yourself and then you read a report on it that's completely inaccurate. Has that ever happened to you? You know, there's, there's the joke about uh, a, a wife and three kids and they're sitting at a funeral service and unfortunately the husband was a drunkard. He was a violent man, profane, bad husband, bad father. And the pastor is doing the eulogy and talking about what an incredible man he was, what a fine Christian he was, how devoted to his family he was. And the wife taps her older son and says, could you just go up and look in the casket? I wonder who he's talking about. Well, uh, I'll read descriptions of churches that I know and work with think, what in the world? So last year, and I only discovered this recently, or rediscovered it anyway, if I'd filed it. Um, it was July 12th last year, Stephanie McCrumman, uh, writing for the Washington Post, and the title of the article is, An American Kingdom, a new and rapidly growing Christian movement is openly political, wants a nation under God's authority, and is central to Donald Trump's GOP. And to my surprise, the article is about Mercy Culture Church, and Pastor Landon shot. Landon reached out to me in 2014 after seeing me on Pierce Morgan, asking if I would mentor him. And even though he was a stranger, we felt the Lord was in it. He since planted Mercy Culture, which has grown to thousands of people in a few years. They distributed well over 75 million meals during COVID, uh, gave folks food, three meals a day for, for a month, filled uh, vehicles with food, prayed for folks. And they fight against human trafficking. They're active on a number of fronts. One of their, one of their leaders ran for, for mayor of Fort Worth. Did, did well. He didn't win, but he did well. Um, so they're, they're involved, strongly pro-life. But I serve as, quote, apostolic elder for that church, meaning that I'm one of three outside leaders, like a spiritual father to them, can give advice, speak into them, come and minister there, uh, regularly teach at the ministry school, the spiritual leadership school, so I'm, I'm close with Landon and his family. I'm close with the, the church there. In fact, in, in this year, 2022, by the end of the year, God willing, I'll have been there once a month, either uh, at the school or at the church or both. So I was quite surprised to read this article as they're going to take over. Now, what's misunderstood is a lot of Christians say Jesus is Lord of all. The world belongs to God. America belongs to God. The world, every nation belongs to God. And we proclaim the authority of Jesus over all humankind. Amen to that. But that doesn't mean now that we think we take over and impose our values on the society. No, we pray. Do we believe in spiritual warfare? Yes, we pray. We fast. We, we reach the lost. We make disciples. We feed the hungry, we help the needy, we stand for justice, and we get involved politically. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? And we get involved. That's what we do. 
we serve, we minister, we vote, we inform people in terms of, of issues. You may feel involved, get involved in the school board, get, get involved in local politics, reach out to a congressman, say, hey, I'm urging you to stand for this. That's why we voted for you. We do all that and we go through the democratic process. Nothing nefarious about it. And in fact, that's what everybody does. That's what every group does. You may be an atheist, a Hindu, a Muslim. You may be a, quote, progressive Christian. But whatever, we have the same process. And that those are our rights as Americans and in certain ways our responsibilities as Americans if we care about our country and the future generations. But no, when you involve Christians, oh, it's, they're going to take over and they're going to impose Christianity on everyone. Someone says, well, that's what you're doing with abortion. No. In 1973, without any constitutional basis, w- without real constitutional validity, many liberals recognized it was a bad ruling. Abortion was now found as a constitutional right. So the court fixed that. What happens now? It goes back to the states. It goes back to the states. Uh, yes, it would be wonderful if the whole nation agreed abortion was wrong. It would be wonderful if a button could be pushed and it's not legal and, and there are all kinds of compassionate solutions to stand with, with women that feel they need to have an abortion. But the way it runs, it's for the states to decide, which means it's for the people to decide. So one state says, you know, we, we don't believe abortion should be available for any and every reason. So we're, we're going to institute pro-life laws or heartbeat bills, etc. Good. Go for it. Wonderful. That's, that's your prerogative. Another state says, oh, we think it's essential. It's, it's compassion for women. It's the right thing to do. So it's abortion for any reason right up to the termination, the, the end of the pregnancy. I think that's terrible, but they can do it. So it's just back to the people to vote. That's what it's going to come down to. And when we say abortion is wrong, we're not simply saying the Bible says. That's for us to believe but that doesn't mean America has to believe it. We're saying here's why we oppose abortion and even using natural arguments. The reason murder is outlawed in America is not because the Bible says, Ten Commandments, Lo Tirzach, don't murder. It's not because of that. It's because we recognize that murder is a violation of natural law. Murder is a violation of our essential rights as created by, by the creator. All right. So for us, it starts with the Bible. But when it comes to laws, we can't tell America you have to do it because the Bible says so. It's not the way it works. All right. You know, I'm going to go to calls immediately after the break. So stay there. Those that are on hold, and I will get to you very shortly. But here, here's an article, August 8th, 2022, by Frederick Clarkson and Andre Gagne. I, uh, Gagne, I interacted with the editor of this uh, website, religiondispatches.org, uh, seems to be a uh, fairly liberal, extremely liberal site. Here's the headline. New Apostolic Reformation faces profound rift due to Trump prophecies and, quote, spiritual manipulation of the prophetic gift. And it says this, four weeks after the January 6th insurrection, two leaders of the revivalist New Apostolic Reformation were concerned about the future of their movement. Who are the two leaders? Joe Matera and me. Joe Matera and I, yours truly. Those were the two leaders. Well, yeah, we wrote up the statement together with help from, from other leaders, put it together, the prophetic standard statement. We're the good guys in the story. We're quoted accurately, and we're the good guys in the story. 
except this has nothing to do with NAR. I mean, we're the ones that wrote it. We should know. We weren't concerned about a growing rift in NAR. We didn't think about, quote, NAR. This was a rift in the charismatic movement. This was a larger issue. I, I had the conversations, Joe Mature and I, if every one of them could be retrieved and listened to, every single conversation we had, every text we exchanged, every email exchange, the one thing you won't find is, quote, NAR, because we were just thinking about the larger charismatic movement and reproach in the name of Jesus and hurting the body of Christ and, and, and hurting the integrity of prophetic movement, and we needed to call for accountability as we had been seeking to do for years. So I reached out and said, you got that part wrong. No, 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 this is, so, now these, these authors are gonna tell us what we we're actually thinking and meant. Here's NAR when it doesn't exist. Once again, oh, it's always NAR. That's what concerns me. Let's deal with the real issues, not the myths. Right back with your call, stay here. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, you get to weigh in. We get to interact, agree, disagree. 866-348-784. By the way, the, the meatiest articles, the ones from the secular press with the strongest accusations against, quote, NAR and this alleged takeover of the nation, I'm, I'm about to get to those so i've saved the juiciest for last all right uh let us start in louisiana scott welcome to the line of fire hey dr brown uh i just want to tell you first that i uh i took a group of our students to the pensacola meeting last week in uh in your session on just the the, the seduction of the political spirit of the american church was uh i mean it was amazing to see their eyes just widen it was like revelation that clicked for them a lot of these kids have been struggling with what happened in the last election cycle. And uh, and at the end of the day, our conversation on the ride home was, we just need to surrender more to Christ and let him be what yeah. we look at. So uh, I want to thank you for that. It, it really had a, a good conversations in class about that today. Well, um, I wonder, hey, just, just a couple of quick questions. Thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. How old were these kids? Uh, so they're ranging from, we brought uh, some youth worship leaders, so I had some 16-year-olds all the way up to about 24, but the majority were young adults between 18 and 24. All right, and when you say they had been struggling since the elections, uh, struggling about what, in what way? Well, our, our church is a very uh, a prophetic church, and we're, mm -hmm. we're engaged in, um, I mean, I guess you'd call it the SLSW, um, kind of spiritual level or strategic level spiritual warfare we're intercessors um and so uh it, it, it was really it that that whole situation created a shaking in our church which thank god we have very godly leaders who who really hear the heart of this and and um you know since then some of our our leadership that's come out and said look we just took our eyes off christ for a little while and, and that was a mistake <laughs> and uh I think it shook them in understanding the gift of prophecy in the church, and is this really something that we do today? And it, it, but it shook them, and they were like, "What do we do?" It's like their whole ground was shook, and then to realize, well, you know, we were just influenced by, you know, this this political spirit really helps them realize, oh, and, and it, it really at the end of the day, what it did is it made them 
do a heart examination and say, is there anything I have in my heart above Christ, even my own nation? Come on. Um, Come on. And uh, and so, I mean, it's just led to a whole week of, I mean, in our devotions this morning and, and this week is just on their knees crying out for more surrender um, and nothing in their heart over Christ. Wonderful. And uh, it really has been a beautiful, <laughs> it's been a beautiful week. Um, the whole conference was great, but the years we had a lot of conversation about it. Well, thank you so much. And I'm sure there was a great atmosphere to, to point people to Jesus through the week. Yeah, all right, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Very encouraging. And hopefully as, as the book circulates and folks read it, more lights will go on and, and more and more people can get uh, properly aligned. All right, so comment or question about NAR. Go ahead. So uh, kind of a, a comment slash let you comment on it too. I yeah. know Rand, Dr. Dr. Clark just released that new article, that nearly 400-page article, on his response to critiques about the New Apostolic Reformation. And uh, he does this, you know, he does like a, a survey of, I believe it was 22 leaders, and he, he kind of gives a little bit of the demographic, but not a lot. And uh, in, in, in that article, really on page 41 and 42, it talks about the prophetic role in, in that, because I think, you know, well, anytime there's an issue in the charismatic church, I think they blame it on NAR, to be honest. But yeah. he... Uh, he says, uh, you know, he, he gives some of these statistics, and I'm all about um, unity within our diversity. But, you know, he says in, in some of these statistics on the prophetic role in church government ministry, it was a statistic that said 25% of these uh, leaders believe prophets should have extraordinary authority in churches, with 6% believing they should have authority over individuals. 100% believes prophets could hear from God for strategies or creative ideas of ministries for the kingdom of God, but 6% believed a prophet should demand obedience to these strategies and creative ideas. And this is the, the nerve-wracking one. Only 6% believe new insights should be called new truths that lead to new doctrine. And, you know, um, I guess within, uh, the, the, within the people who are polled, and it's a small sample size of 22, but the fact that we have even in the charismatic camp, you know, people who believe that even today prophetic words can lead to new doctrine. And I don't know if he's defining doctrine at dogma or what, but that that's a concerning thing for me. And I know it's something that you talk about. Yeah. Um, and, and so, I mean, what for you is the way that we can kind of bring some unity? I mean, because there's there's room for diversity, but this seems like yeah, but it's that, a hard yeah, that's line not, thing. That right. That's, to, a, that's a hard line that we draw. A absolutely. So, again... I'd have to read the exact language, how things are being presented. In other words, when someone says new revelation, do they mean I got an incredible insight into what's written in the word of God? Do they mean, wow, I just got an insight about myself I never knew before? Or do they mean God has revealed a new truth to me for the body of Christ that's not in the Bible? So the last one, mm -hmm. that's the dangerous one. That's the heretical one. That's the one that we categorically reject. And if there were 6% of these leaders who said, yes, that's, that's our view. So that's dangerous. That's not the kind of thing that we work together with. That's the kind of thing we say, either repent of that and get back to the sufficiency of scripture to teach us about God and, and, and doctrine and how we live, or uh, you're not part of our fellowship. You're not part of our group or whatever, we mm -hmm. can't work together. So that's extreme. That's what Doug and Holly are concerned about when they refer to new revelation. And I share that concern. So in that sense, 100% sufficiency of scripture. 
Now, if someone says, well, sufficiency of Scripture means we don't need the Holy Spirit doing X, Y, Z in the world today. No, sufficiency of Scripture means everything it intends to do, it does fully, and we don't need anything beyond that. So the fact that we have sufficiency of Scripture doesn't mean that a man doesn't marry a woman, right? The fact that we have sufficiency of Scripture uh, doesn't mean that we don't need to pray. It means that everything we need to know who God is, to know how we are to live in this world, is there in the Word of God. And God will open that up to us, give us insight, but it's all got to be based on that. And then anything that we get uh, has to be tested by that. If I believe the Lord's leading me, uh, you know, to do a new business. Okay, the Bible doesn't tell me specifically if I should call the business, you know, Brown's business or Brown's store. It doesn't say that. But if the business is that we're smuggling drugs illegally, no, that's not the business God's leading me to start, you know. So... Uh, so, uh, I, again, I, I want to look at all of uh, all of the data. I know this is something that's been discussed and Randy's looked at. I, I think what Dr. Clark would emphasize is if NAR is, those who hold to NAR hold to A, B, C, D. Now I just surveyed 20-something, 30-something of the ones that are supposed to be prominent NAR leaders. And most of them denied the fundamental tenets. Then NAR is being misdefined. And that becomes the boogeyman thing we're talking about. But by all means, let us shout from the rooftops where the error is. Let us expose it together. That's one reason I'm trying to call for more precise terminology. So that rather than swinging at the air, we're actually hitting each other. Then we can say, okay, this is wrong. We agree this is wrong. Let's focus on this. Let's confront it. Fair enough. That's my heart to do. All right. Thank you for the call. And uh, let's go to Angelo in Richmond, Virginia. Welcome to the line of fire. Hey, Dr. Brown, how are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. Hey, I appreciate you actually broaching this subject because you, I've heard just rumors of of NAR and, and, and kind of this whole Christian nationalism thing, and I'm really excited to get a hold of your book uh, so I can delve into it as far as somebody who's done research on it and actually gather, um, kind of meld the two of, my, of your research and my research, quote-unquote, yeah. uh, to kind of come up with something yeah, going yeah. on. But, but it's more of a comment, and I guess maybe a question tied into it. Uh, you know, this Christian nationalism is tied a lot to racism. Um, and, and what happens is you have people who, who say, you know, if you, don't, uh, love, if you don't love God and love America, uh, you know, and, and it's directed even toward, well, if you don't love, if you're not, if you're not let, me, let me put it this way. If you love God and you love America, you'll vote Republican. Now, what that tells you is this. If you if you love God and you love America and you vote Democrat, that means you don't you, you're 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 not saved as, as some people are saying. And what that tends to do is it, it tends to exclude a significant number of African Americans because we vote majority Democrat. Not me, but a majority of us do um, because of just the way uh, upbringing, culture, different things like that. But what what I'm seeing is is this: as I'm talking to people about, I start talking to them about God. They tend to fight at me back, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian nationalist. If I talk to them about the country, they tell me, you have no business telling me what to do as far as, um, you know, how, to, how the country should go because it's my choice, this, that, and the other. But what, what I see in, in the body of Christ is that we'll let politics kind of affect our faith instead of letting yes, faith affect our politics. Yes, and, sir. So, and, and so the Lord has really laid it on my heart to preach and to teach. Look, I'm going to teach you about the gospel, you know, but when I'm gonna allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do and convict your heart about what's right and what's wrong, and then allow Him to affect your politics. Yeah. So 
Yeah. So let's yeah let's 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 make the gospel the gospel. So let's start there. I want to respond to everything you said. The gospel is the gospel. So when we're out evangelizing, when we're seeking to win our neighbor or our colleague, and well, politics. I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to talk about voting. I don't want to talk about Democrat, Republican. I don't want to talk about Fox, CNN. I don't want to talk about Donald Trump, Joe Biden. I want to talk about Jesus. What's your relationship with God? If you were to die now, are you in right relationship? What about your sins? Why did Jesus die on the cross? Are your sins paid for? Have you turned to it? I'm going to focus on that. Well, what about, I don't want to talk about that right now. This is, this is it. You know, if you don't want to talk about Jesus, that's fine. But that's what I want to talk about. How'd you vote? I don't want to talk about how I voted. That's immaterial. It's, God's not going to ask us that question on that day. Now, as to those who say you have to vote Republican, it's only because of pro-life issues. You know, how can you vote for a, pro, a pro-abortion candidate, etc.? I couldn't see voting Democrat personally, but I absolutely understand that it's not so simply reduced. It's, it, you can't just make that dichotomy. In other words, there are believers that vote Democrat, even though I differ with their reasons for it. But where, where racism is mixed in with Christian nationalism, that's the unhealthy Christian nationalism. That's the one that says, we like America the way it used to be. In other words, white, Christian, dominated, that's the America we want. That's where it becomes really, really dangerous. But thank you, sir, for the call. Let's make the main things the main things. If we do that, we'll be good. And when we come back, I want to remind you how you can get Political Seduction of the Church with my book, House Saved Door. In fact, I want to tell you a bit about House Saved Door. We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Are Christians called to take over society? What does it mean to exercise spiritual dominion? What about the seven mountains influencing each area of culture? Is that a mission for the church? What about taking over those areas? How was it that so many prophets got things so wrong when it came to Donald Trump? What was the genesis of that? These are all issues I cover in the political seduction of the church. No holds barred, names named, putting things on the table, but not to bash, to be constructive, to move us forward with our high calling. How Saved Are We? I wrote 1990 out of a burning heart for the Lord and for souls. I had been reading a lot of missions literature. I had served with some people overseas that lived sacrificially for the gospel. And my heart was burning for the real thing. I wrote How Saved Are We. It was also early in my friendship with Leonard Ravenhill, which added further fuel to the fire. So remember, this is a special line of fire only offer. You can't do this online. You can't do this via email. It's only by calling this number, 704-498-4673. 704-498-4673. You get those two books plus my audio message, Holy Desperation, Hunger and Thirst for God, for Outpouring, for Revival. It will stir your heart. 
It's over $40 of resources, just $25 when you call in. So do it now. If you're listening after hours, uh, we'll get right back to you, but leave your number 704-498-4673. Call that now. Take advantage of this. You may want to order multiple packages of these books to give out to your friends, pastor, other leaders that you work with. All right. Check out this headline. This is in Rolling Stone. So prominent leftist publication for decades. I remember buying it in in my hippie rock days, what, in the late 60s, early 70s. Rolling Stone, meet the apostle of right-wing Christian nationalism. The New Republican fringe is done with the separation of church and state. William Dutch Sheets has been trying to tear tear down that wall for decades. And then it talks about Sheets standing along with Marjorie Taylor Greene, so controversial Republican political leader, the palms of his hands held up to God, and etc. So on the one hand, it paints an accurate picture of Dutch Sheets working with these various politicians and leading a strong prayer movement for America. And it does accurately represent Dutch Sheets' viewpoint that America is a covenant nation, That America has a divine destiny, as Israel did. Not exactly the same, but as Israel did, so America does. So I I differ respectfully with Dutch on that, the idea of of a covenant with America, even though many of the founders had, uh, in the the early colonies, had that outlook. America itself is not founded as a covenant nation with God, as the United States of America. And that's up to God to initiate, not man to initiate. So many Christian roots, yes. Many beautiful parts of our Christian heritage, yes. Returning to those to the extent we turn back to God and value those things will be blessed. Uh, so I differ with Dutch on some of these things. Uh, of course, he's, quote, NAR, and this is about NAR's takeover. But what's really dangerous in this reporting is when Dutch talks about this could lead to shedding of blood, he means Christian blood. In other words, as Christians stand up for what's right in America, we might be killed for doing it. Rolling Stone reports it as if he's calling for violence and bloodshed. That's the dangerous thing. Now, you may have a quote, Dutch Sheets saying that. I strongly uh, do not expect that, okay? Uh, we know each other. We're not, we're not close friends. I don't know if we've ever had a phone conversation. We've met here and there at meetings. We were both speaking and, and chatted briefly, all right? So I have some differences with some of his approach to political things. I agree with him on, on the, the key need to prayer, or key need for prayer and crying out for revival. And it must start with the church. Repentance must begin with us. That being said, it grieves me that something as serious as the issue of potential incitement to violence is now put on Dutch when it's the opposite of what he meant. But this is just what's, what's being reported out there. Okay. How about this article? This is on uh, newrepublic.com by L or Ellie Hardy, E-L-L-E. Now, we just interacted briefly by email. Uh, She got back to me very quickly. We've had some interaction, and and she wants to interact further to hear some of my perspective. And we'll see where it goes, okay? But her article is called The Right-Wing Christian Sect Plotting a Political Takeover. The new apostolic reformation doesn't always admit its own existence, but it's growing in influence in the Republican Party. So there it is. NAR doesn't always admit its own existence because the way it's being described doesn't exist. 
that's why. And, and of course, I wrote that to the journalist here. And I said, it's not, you know, the article mentions like it's Masonic, you're, you're part of the Masons, but you deny being part of the Masons. No, no, that's not what's happening. It's that what's being described, we don't recognize. Follow me? If, <laughs> if it was what I practice or others practice, say, yeah, yeah. Do we believe in apostles today? Yeah. Do we believe in prophets today? Yeah, yeah. Do we believe in the gifts of spirit for today? Yeah, yeah. Do we believe that the church should have a positive influence on the society? Yeah, sure. Believe Christians should be involved, involved in politics? Yeah, yeah. We agree with all that. But we don't agree with this alleged R thing or that there's this secret plot to, to take over politically. Maybe some want to do that. Maybe some are involved in ways part of the unhealthy Christian nationalism. Again, I get into it in the book. I get into it in depth, whole chapter on, on Christian nationalism, whole chapter on whether the church is called to take over society, another whole chapter about the unhealthy marriage of, of politics and religion. I get into it in depth. So I share many of the concerns, but I'm quoted in the article as, as denying the existence of apostolic alliances. And I, I wrote to the journalist, I said, actually, I, I, don't, I don't deny the existence of apostolic alliances. There are plenty of them. I deny the existence of this thing called NAR the way it's described. And then I'm often referred to as the leader of NAR by the critics who are not putting two and two together. Well, you're friends with so-and-so, therefore you must be, I'm friends with a whole lot of people. I must be a Calvinist, I must be a cessationist, I must be a Baptist, I must be a Catholic, I must be a Presbyterian, I must be a religious Jew, based on friendships I have. How about this article, also Rolling Stone. MAGA preacher Sean Foyt scored millions from his Trump-loving flock. Sean Foyt is a far-right Jesus rocker who made a name for himself protesting COVID, praising Trump, and sticking it to the libs. He's also pulling in millions from his ministry and recently brought houses in Southern California and Montana. So it's always got to be about money. I have no idea if he's made money or not or what he's done with his money. No clue. And I may not agree with every statement he's made, although I, from what I understand, his main goal is to bring people together to worship Jesus and then cause them to have an impact. But the article that sorts a lot of this out is by Julia Dean. She's a Christian, veteran journalist for decades. She sent me these links and her new article. So check her article out. It's on getreligion.org. Julia Dean, D-U-I-N, right? New stories on new apostolic reformation. Sean Foyt, keep assuming a right-wing takeover. And let's put this slide up. Uh, she quotes me here, or she rewords what I've said, but I, I just want to uh, read this to you. In other words, and this is what she's writing in her article referring to what I said. The NAR is not this conspiratorial, worldwide, monolithic, demonic movement. Yes, that's what we've been trying to say. So where there is an unhealthy Christian nationalism, let us deal with it by all means. Where there is unhealthy teaching about apostolic authority, or all churches need to be under an apostle, or prophets can dictate to you what you should or shouldn't do, or only these apostles and prophets can receive this essential new revelation. Let's reject it together. I'll shout it out with you. Where there are Christians in an unhealthy way trying to, quote, take over, take over politics, impose Christian values on the nation as opposed to saying, hey, we have a political system we work through. We're praying for revival in the church. We're serving our communities. We're serving as salt and light. And if we get our elected officials in, they'll, they'll do things that we believe are constitutional and right. And we think it's for the good of the country. It's not a theocracy. It's not a theocracy. But where there's unhealthy 
nationalism, unhealthy attempt to take over political. Read the political seduction book. It's all in there. Whether it's abuse of prophecy, let's deal with it. I've dealt with these things for years. But let's separate fact from fiction. Otherwise, we can't deal with anything constructively and effectively. So, you know, Julia Dean ends her article. Uh, let me just scroll down to the end. And again, there's a lot of stuff in these articles that's accurate. And other stuff I would differ with. So she says this. She's, she's recommending how others should look at Sean Foyt. Write about Foyt more as a representative of what Christian millennials are thinking. And there are plenty of them at his concerts, and you'll get closer to what he's truly about. She says this, his bread and butter is still his concerts around the country, not his showy appearances in front of Disney World or the Supreme Court. The man is a political hanger-on, I admit, but the bulk of his time seems to be toward encouraging revival. He's not nar, he's not a white nationalist. The bulk of his public sentiments are shared by his Christian listeners. So that, to me, is an accurate picture. So... What Julia Dean is saying, okay, let's separate fictional noir from the real apostolic movements that are out there. Let's separate white supremacy from a healthy nationalism. Let's separate what was Christian nationalism in an unhealthy way. Let's put the things in the right categories so we can deal with them. Is, is that too much to ask? So if you say, are you a Christian nationalist? Define that for me. Are you part of NAR? Define that for me. Now we can see where we agree and where we disagree. Remember, take advantage of the special line of fire offer. Call 704-498-4673. 704-498-4673. The two books plus the audio message, I believe they'll bless you. Back with you tomorrow. Another program powered by the Truth Network.